This is Ken, a real patient living with COPD in California. His story may sound familiar. I've been on, I think, just about every med they've ever released for COPD. No matter what I've tried, improvement always seemed hard to maintain. Welcome to this episode of COPD On Air, a podcast exploring current treatment recommendations and topics related to chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or COPD, with expert guests. This podcast is intended for U.S. healthcare professionals only and is sponsored by Synovian Pharmaceuticals Incorporated. I'm your host, Barry Price. Today I have with me Dr. Newman and Dr. Robinson. Can you share a little bit about yourselves? My name is Dr. Larry Newman. I'm the medical director of Urgent Medical Care, a chain of ambulatory care facilities in New York City. I've been medical director for 15 years, and I see about 60 patients with COPD every month. I'm Dr. Keith Robinson. I'm the medical director of Transformative Health Solutions, a pulmonary rehabilitation center in South Florida. I have over 17 years of clinical experience, and in my prior practice, had over 1,800 active patients, of which 70% were COPD patients. Welcome. Today we discuss how to identify those patients who may be falling through the cracks of traditional COPD treatment methods, and considerations for patients who may need another option. Before we get started, I'd like to remind listeners that anything the guests share on the show is considered their own expert opinion or anecdotal experience, and is not intended to supersede medical guidelines or your own clinical judgment. Let's discuss some of the treatment gaps in COPD care. Dr. Newman, for your patients who are still struggling with their COPD symptoms, how do you distinguish between true progression of the disease and other factors like improper device use? Most importantly is to assess device use. It's so important to see if your patients can use it properly. Two-thirds of COPD patients make at least one error using an inhalation device which may result in not receiving the benefit of their maintenance therapy. Imagine a patient who needs to take pills every day and miss two of three days. It would be unacceptable. Consider new or current comorbid conditions that may hinder a patient's ability to use their current device. For example, a patient may have been well-coordinated in using a handheld device for many years, but then develops dementia or Parkinson's disease or severe arthritis of the hands, and can no longer perform in the way that they used to. And finally, assess the symptomatology using questionnaires such as the SGRQ, the St. George Respiratory Questionnaire, to see if the treatment method is working. Today, we've become very sophisticated in assessing even previously intangible parameters such as quality of life. Dr. Robinson, do you agree with Dr. Newman? I do agree. Uh, I think that if you have the opportunity to treat patients with COPD, you really should have access to pulmonary function testing and spirometry to make the diagnosis of COPD. I've often joked with my residents in the office that if they have patients coming and presenting with chest discomfort or pain, you wouldn't send them out of the office without doing an EKG to, again, diagnose the condition. And so for me, spirometry does that same. It allows the physician treating those folks to actually do uh, spirometry check and formally make the diagnosis of COPD. So if you don't have office spirometry or, or the ability to have mobile diagnostic testing, it is important to maybe send these folks to a hospital for formal testing or maybe to a pulmonologist to have a test performed. Where do nebulizers fit in your clinical practice? 
Well, and following Dr. Newman's suggestions that in some patients, medical device error can be a reason for them to have poor adherence or, or compliance with therapy, we oftentimes will check to make sure that our patients are utilizing their devices correctly. Uh, and if we do see critical errors in use, we will in that setting go ahead and, and start our discussion about using a jet nebulizer as part of the foundation and management. And so for me, I think we will oftentimes see patients after a hospitalization or maybe after an exacerbation uh, in pulmonary rehabilitation. And in those settings, we know that some patients have had some change to their lung function and more specifically in their inspiratory force in order to inhale therapy. And so those patients likely will benefit from a jet nebulizer as well. So we oftentimes will isolate our patients with severe lung function. Then we'll make that discussion about jet nebulizer as part of their foundation and management. What kind of patients may need another option? Something between handheld inhalers and traditional jet nebulizers. Active people, like a grandmother who has an active social life and plays with her grandchildren, but remains symptomatic on their current treatment. Maybe she no longer has the needed inspiratory effort required to inhale the medication. Patients with comorbid conditions or who have coordination challenges when using their current device. And patients who are frustrated and who are still symptomatic on current treatment and may have improper technique using their current device. They've already stopped smoking, but they have quality of life goals. They've tried multiple inhalers, and they sometimes mistake poor technique for progression of disease. Dr. Robinson, do you have anything to add to that? I will often consider using this medication in a younger patient that's on the go. We forget that in COPD, two-thirds of patients are under the age of 65 and still have an active, productive work life. And so for us, we often will isolate those patients that have a need to be out of the home frequently or travel often. And so we also look to see if they've got adequate inspiratory flow. And if not, we may consider using a nebulized therapy to benefit as an option for these patients so that they can again inhale at tidal and natural breathing. What would another option for these patients look like? From your perspective, how could you see this benefiting patients? Dr. Newman, your thoughts. A nebulized treatment that patients can take on the go and doesn't take too much time out of their days. They can still go to work. They can go visit family for the weekend. The option of using a treatment early in the morning to cover their daytime symptoms and using it at bedtime makes for a very effective regimen. Dr. Robinson, do you have anything to add to that? I think an ideal treatment would be something that controls symptoms long enough to prevent administration from putting a pause in the middle of the workday or, or interfering with the patient's sleep. So I also work in a part of the world where hurricanes are common, and I think if you've lost power, the ability to use a treatment that doesn't rely on external power sources is important. And I think, again, in pulmonary rehabilitation, we've encouraged our patients to get out and to be travelers of the world. And so having a portable treatment would be beneficial for these patients as well. Now I'd like to switch focus and talk about a product that's currently available, Lonhala Magnair Glycopyrrolate Inhalation Solution. This is a prescription maintenance medication used twice a day for COPD, including chronic bronchitis, emphysema, or both. Lonhala Magnair is contraindicated in patients with a hypersensitivity to glycopyrrolate or to any of the ingredients. Lonhala Magnair should not be initiated in patients with acutely deteriorating or potentially life-threatening episodes of COPD or used as a rescue therapy for acute episodes of bronchospasm. Acute symptoms should be treated with an inhaled short-acting beta-2 agonist. Dr. Newman, are you familiar with Lonhala Magnair? 
Yes, I've used it extensively in my COPD patients for several years now. And you, Dr. Robinson? Yes, I've uh, had opportunity to prescribe Monhalamagnar to my patients in pulmonary rehabilitation. We just finished illustrating this space in COPD care, where patients may need another option between handheld inhalers and traditional jet nebulizers. Dr. Newman, can you tell me what makes Lanhalamagnar different from handheld inhalers and traditional jet nebulizers? I like the features Lanhalamagnar offers. The Magnar device produces a fine aerosol mist that is administered by breathing naturally through the mouthpiece. Administration takes two to three minutes, twice daily, with proper assembly and cleaning. It's important to maintain the system, otherwise administration time could take longer. I like that Lanhala Magnair has audiovisual feedback mechanisms, such as a green light and two beeps, that let my patients know when the administration cycle is complete. The Magnair device is a closed system that only uses Lanhala vials. What do your patients say about Lanhala Magnair when you follow up with them about their experience using it? They're typically pleasantly surprised by it. They like that the device is portable and discreet, it's quiet, making no noticeable noise during administration. It weighs about 10 ounces, which is less than a can of soda, and it can be battery-operated or plugged in. My patients can take it with them on the go, and it even comes with a compact carrying case. Dr. Robinson, in your experience, what type of patients benefit from Lanhala Magnar? So in, in pulmonary rehabilitation, quality of life is everything. It means the world. And that involves having more independent life, a more active life, uh, the ability to get around the world and travel. And so I think the features of the Lanhala Magnair addresses the treatment needs and goals of these patients very well. Do you feel that Lanhala Magnair equips you appropriately to provide COPD care for your patients who may benefit from another option? The hesitancy from doctors comes from not having time to learn, teach, and prescribe the newer options, so they tend to reserve them for severe patients who need to see a pulmonologist. Lanhala Magnir is a device option PCPs can prescribe to patients who continue to be symptomatic on their current treatment. I prescribe it to many of my patients because it fits their preferences and abilities. It also allows them to continue sometimes with the medications they've grown accustomed to use while adding another layer of treatment to maximize their therapeutic benefits. That's all the time we have for this episode. Dr. Newman and Dr. Robinson, thank you for your time today. I enjoyed reviewing the COPD treatment landscape with you both. I've been feeling better and that's wonderful. I feel in my heart that Lanhala Magnair is an important part of that. Individual results with Lanhala Magnair may vary. Thank you for listening to this episode of COPD On Air. For more information about Lanhala Magnair and topics discussed, visit synovianprofile.com and click on Lanhala Magnair. You can also follow the link located in the show notes of this episode. Lanhala Magnair is a prescription anticholinergic medicine used long-term and twice each day, morning and evening, to improve symptoms of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD, in adults with COPD. COPD is a long-term chronic lung disease that includes chronic bronchitis, emphysema, or both. Lanhala Magnair should not be used as a rescue medicine. Lanhala Magnair can cause serious side effects, including sudden shortness of breath immediately after use, which may be life-threatening. 
serious allergic reactions, new or worsened eye problems, including acute narrow angle glaucoma, new or worsened problems emptying your bladder, urinary retention. This summary does not include all information about Lonhala Magna. The full important safety information is located in the show notes of this episode with accompanying links to the full prescribing information and patient information for Lonhala Magna. For additional information about the articles and resources referenced during this episode, please see the list of references in the show notes. Thank you.